Hello and welcome. My name is Tim. I am Axial. And I'm Herfy Durfy. And this is Go Mode, a link to the past randomizer podcast. What is going on, my fellow randomizer players? Are we excited to talk about it this wonderful morning slash afternoon slash evening slash whenever someone is listening to this? Uh, well, Axe, I'm always excited to talk about randomizer, uh, especially with you guys, but there is maybe... I'm not super excited about this this topic. Oh no, what's wrong, Timp? Well, I was going through my inventory, and I do have this moon pearl here, but... Well, that's good, you don't have to worry about going around as a bunny anymore. That's something yeah, at least, the... right? Yeah, yeah I, well, I like the bunny music, actually, so so that's that's okay. Um, but I don't have a hammer, and I don't really have any gloves or anything, so... Oh, well, do you have the lamp at least? Or the, the flute? You could go check Death Mountain. Uh, yeah, I did get the lamp off of uh, Zora, which is a very expensive lamp, but yeah, I have, I have that. Why, why do you ask? Oh, well, you know, I, I was just thinking something. Um, do, do, do you have a sword? Um, fighters. Oh boy. Uh, please tell me you don't have the cape. Yeah, that was in Link's house. Oh boy. Uh, Temp, I think I know why you don't feel very good. I think it's because you have to go do Aga One. Yikes. Yeah. All right. Well, before we do that, I mean, it's inevitable. You got to do what you got to do. Let's just talk a little bit about um, this 2018 fall tournament that's been going on. The Fallifiers. Yeah, Fallifiers. (laughs) Everyone is just really loving saying the word Fallifiers. It's caught on. I can't believe they caught on. on. I I really can't. I've seen uh, in the the tournament Discord. I've seen people being like, "Oh man, I got a qualifier race tonight." I wish that were true. I we, I tried. I thought it, I thought it would be cool, but no, I think it really, I'm gonna keep using it. it. I've I've seen it used out in the wild. Oh, you guys are being serious? Yeah, no, I'm I'm serious by people that oh. aren't us. People are like, "Oh, oh. how'd your qualifier race go?" <laughs> I was literally joking because I haven't seen anybody say. Oh it. yeah, no, it seems actually shockingly popular. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, I'm, I'm in a better mood now. That's yeah. great. I'm, I'm happy about that. <laughs> um, so, Herf, how has your experience been so far with the uh, Fall Fries? We're, we're near the end of them now. Well, it, I mean, I've been mostly busy on the administrative side of things because uh, I'm not running in them. But it's been pretty stressful, I would say. I mean, we have a great team going on and stuff is uh, under control, I want to call it. But I, if... We've talked about in the admin team of like putting up a sign kind of like in the beginning of the Simpsons episode, you know, day since last drama and a qualifier <laughs> zero and then just switch it out. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's been some stuff going on and uh, it's been pretty stressful and there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff going on that people aren't privy to. But um, yeah, it's it's been good. It's been fun. I'm, I'm enjoying it very much. I think... Uh, I think it's been interesting because I remember people talking about it and being like, well, top 96, that's not a problem. You basically just got to play your five out and then you'll be in. It's like automatic almost. And now we're at like some crazy cutoff and people are fearing for their Point. spots. Yep. Yep. Right now. So this is on, uh, we're about five hours before the 14th uh, qualifier. And right now the cutoff is 0.8096. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm going to just look through real quick and see if I notice anybody 
uh, who you would expect to be above that, but is not right now. Um, well, you know, there's Putting me. Putting them on notice. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm 129th right now. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of scrolling through here. Uh, I, I see some folks um, that maybe have been seen in some previous tournaments. Uh, I see... Some familiar names? Pl- I see some Plasma Kappa is right on the edge. Uh, third third place winner of the SA tournament, which yeah. we are contractually obligated to mention in every single episode. <laughs> sure <laughs> feels yeah. like it. So PK yeah. is at 103rd place right now with uh, all five races in, so that's going to be just nerve-wracking. Uh, me, I'm at 129th, but I can't actually qualify because my best time is going to get, if it's above 0.77, it's going to get thrown out, so I'm probably done, but that's okay. Well, how did you feel like? How did you feel like you did? So, oh, so you well, did five. Yeah, so yeah, I was very, very consistent. I got a like point seven five, point seven seven, point seven six, and a point five four. Because kids, I'm going to tell you all listening at home: if you ever go into Ganon's Tower and find out you need the boots, look for the boots in Ganon's Tower. Don't leave and go clear every pendant dungeon, and then come back because yeah. you'll be very sad and get a really, really bad time. I did the I did I was in that qualifier too and I did the exact same thing. I I saw that the boots were on the torch. Although I'm going to take a little bit of issue with this because the reason I did that is because I found a hint earlier that said um boots require the hammer. So I was thinking of different, you know, locations that require the hammer and the first thing I thought of was Turtle Rock, which is right down the road, uh because you need the hammer to open up the portal to get inside. But the way that that hint actually works, it doesn't quite work like that, I've been told. Like, when it says behind Hammer, there's actually only a few pre-approved places it can be. And then I started to think, like, okay, uh, to get into Ganon's Tower, I need seven crystals. And I needed Hammer to get through some of those dungeons that required me to get a crystal. So could that mean that it could be anywhere in Ganon's Tower? But then also part of Ganon's Tower is Hammer Locked. So, uh, yeah, I totally... I'm going to say that that was really just me not being super familiar with that hint like I probably should have been, but that, I mean, I did the same thing as you. I left and came back and, you know, just threw away like a good 20 to 25 minutes. I was just happy to finish because there were a lot of forfeits in that one. Yeah, that was, uh, I think that one was the the real, the one that really got people. Um, I know there was another one that had a, a pretty odd situation come up. Uh, I don't know if her for Timp, you want to go through that one. Um, help me out here. Which one? There's been I, some weird ones. Tell, I, th- I one think this was, of? I think this was on like Tuesday, like earlier this week on like Tuesday or Wednesday, or maybe it was early or late last week. Um, but I think it would, it had a, a situation where, um, Oh, I think I know. What, okay. Yeah. C- continue. I think I might know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, so I, I didn't follow this one super close. So if I get the details wrong, you all can throw some dead okay. rocks at me. But I think it had something to do with the hook shot. Yes. Okay. I was, I actually was in this one. So yeah, I, I forgot. So Andy was also participating in this one. And, yeah. Andy, uh, first place yeah. right now 1.0187 average score, which means that Andy on average is winning, which mm-hmm. is crazy. Well, I think this qualifier probably has a lot to do with that. What he did was, uh, so Hookshot ended up being on Helmosaur King, uh, which was a non-green pendant. 
so and, and it was essentially go mode except for that hook shot. Uh, so, so you know, you had to go get that. I got lucky and gambled it, and I ended up finishing the seat a lot sooner than I thought I would. But it, Andy finished it about ten minutes faster than second place. Oh, wow. Because he doesn't need a hook shot. Yeah, he can it? hover. Yeah, you can just hover right through. So, you know, everything in Gannon's Tower that you would need a hook shot for, you, you know, if you know how to hover, then you don't need to go try to find it. So he didn't have to do any of Pod and, uh, you know saved himself a ton of time mm. it was almost kind of a spoiler to see that andy had finished it as soon as he had because it was like oh hookshot go mode yeah, yeah. That, that has to be it <laughs> it's it's yeah. a little bit of a tell i mean at least it's kind of harder to say these days because more people are starting to learn to hover and more people can hover now but you know if you see andy winning by 10 minutes you know something is up yeah i i will say i i you know it's been about uh, i don't think we had done any qualifiers on our last podcast i think the way that they ended up setting things up in terms of the scoring and all that ended up working really really well it feels very fair you know you're like look i'm just gonna play my best seed i don't have to try to get do any kind of head games with you know oh is my opponent gonna go check pen tr or should i just kind of think to yourself what's the best play and you go for it so i i've really liked it the only thing i've uh and this is just maybe my own way the scores worked out is it's a little sad that my last race basically won't matter because of the fact that your best score gets thrown out. But mm-hmm. as a stats guy, I totally get why they throw out the best. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's see what else about the qualifiers. Um, so yeah, there were, there were some really weird uh, ones. Don't, in don't there. talk in chat. That's oh, a... do not. <laughs> don't mm-hmm. you dare say a word in that chat other than GG. Yep, it had to come to this. It's uh, it's a little unfortunate, and uh, I can't really go into too much detail about it, but let's just say nobody is super happy with that rule. I mean, you don't need to go into a lot of detail because all of it was pretty much laid bare in the Discord. Like, you could just follow along with, with what happened. So the, I want to say it was Qualifier Four. It was the Saturday one. It was it was after we recorded the podcast episode, um, the last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, right after that, there was a lot of chatter in the Discord app, or sorry, in the IRC after people would finish, just being like, "Oh man, what a seed!" You know, just kind of deflating. Um, and uh, there was a member of the community, uh, Emu Seru of Emo Tracker, the the creator of that, that pointed out that hey, in the rules it says that you can't speak. So like, are all these people disqualified now? Because I think it said something to that effect. And uh, yeah, and it would have been really a lot. Kinda, it would have been yeah, like two thirds of the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But you know, at the same time, rules are rules. So so there was kind of you know a back and forth of like, do we follow the rules to the letter because that's why they're there, or do we just kind of issue a warning? And to your credit, Herf, I mean, the admins actually, I mean, you're, it was really you in there saying, you know, being the one to come out and say, hey, we hear you, we know, we understand this is an issue. We're talking about it right now. Just give us a minute. We'll come back with a more formal statement and kind of a ruling on this, um, which I thought was a really great way to handle it. Because uh, I, I think I thought honestly there was uh, you know a lot of merit to both sides of that argument. As someone who a- appreciates structure, I get you know that when there's a rule, it needs to be followed. But at the same time, it's like it would ju- it just would have sucked to have to do that, you know. So yeah, it was a weird situation, and I mean that kind of comes back to what I was saying earlier. There was a lot of talk going on and a lot of discussion in the admin channel, but obviously only admins can see that. So all the people talking to each other and kind of arguing with each other in the qualifier channel just 
think we're sitting there, you know, watching from far above and, <laughs> you know, judging our subjects or something. It's, you know, like we're ignoring everyone. So I figured, or we all figured, uh, someone needs to go out there and be like, hey, listen, guys, we see everything that's going on. We're, talk we're currently talking, trying to decide on something. Just, you know, give us some time to ha have us hash this out amongst each other, and then we'll tell you what we decide on. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the end of the end ruling was was pretty fair, you know, for those not not super following along. Basically, what happened is the, um, you know, I don't I don't know, Herf, did you want to explain what the end, end sure. ruling was and result was? So in the end, we kind of decided to go with a bit of a hardline approach, which meant that we, as you were mentioning in the beginning, we kind of forbade any kind of talk in the SRL race room, except for a GG or a .com and GG. And obviously all the commands that you need to start a race or to be done or whatever you needed, ready up, join up, all that stuff. And uh, you're also permitted one entrance per race and uh, no dot time because people have used dot time to kind of try and metagame their opponents in the past. You know, for standard seeds, a lot of can, people... Can you explain? Oh, yeah, please. I was just going to, can you explain how somebody could meta game by, by using a dot time? Sure. I think one of the most common occurrences used to be when standard was still like the, the normal mode, quote unquote, to play. It kind of moved a little bit to open these days, I feel like. But, you know, usually people play standard mode when they start out. So when there were still a lot of standard races, people used dot time in the IRC chat room to see what their escape time was. So while, you know, the cutscene was playing to open the door or the altar to the to the sanctuary, they would quickly switch to IRC and dot time and see like, oh, I got a sub six escape time or something. And people obviously picked up on that because when you see a time around six minutes in a standard seed, that's going to be when you're done with escape. And then people oftentimes used it to indicate go mode. You know, they do a dot time when they find the last item that they need for go mode and people picked up on that and could like meta game off of that, how they might have routed the seed or whatever. So, so dot time is kind of like a split. Yeah, it basically just displays how long the race has been going on from your perspective, like from when the bot started it to when you issued the command. Uh, so we had to decide on all that, and uh, we decided to, you know, not retroactively do anything against anyone because we had just kind of changed the rules and clarified them a lot. And as you guys were also mentioning, it was kind of, we had to, or we would have had to disqualify like two thirds of the qualifier, which is yeah. just not feasible. People just kind of forgot, you know, it was a rule that made sense to put into place and, you know, essentially kind of served its goal. And then people sort of got away from that and wanted to, you know, just kind of socialize a little bit like you want to do after a race. You know, you want to talk to other people that had the same experience as you mm -hmm. uh, and just kind of forgot about the rule. So, yeah, you know, I, I I don't hate that it's that it's being instilled because I I hate spoilers. I'm a big spoiler hater, and so in the spirit of keeping spoilers as far away from any race experience as possible, I guess I, I can approve of that. And there's there's always Discord. You know, there there's like a what there's like a private uh, or, or a hidden Discord channel where you can go to talk about the race immediately afterwards. That was like one of the compromises, right? Yeah, I think um, there's what they mainly use is the race spoilers channel on yeah. the rando discord as far as i'm aware yeah that's where they the ad the uh <clears throat> the i think message said to 
go talk if you really want to talk with folks about, you know, oh, I, I played really well. How do you play? Did you make the same mistake I did? Did you find that, you know, Moon Pearl was on Pyramid, like, a, a, you know, crazy thing? The thing, the thing is, and essentially why we also kind of were forced to go this hard line on the rule is that, uh, you know, it's very subjective on what you could consider a spoiler in the room. We would have liked to make it a more light rule where it's like, please don't spoil anything in the race room. But we had two examples. Uh, one that Imosaru herself mentioned, I believe, was a comment by Dr. Bob who said, Something along the lines of, oh, when you do a dump and it turns out to actually be a good thing. Which, you know, I can kind of see how you might construe something out of that. But in his case, he had marked a pendant color wrong. And it, he thought he was getting the green pendant and finished up the red pendant or something and got something from that. And I think from a comment like that, that's very hard to infer that that was what he meant. But yeah. on the other hand, we also had someone else comment... Oh man, I, I this is why I hate open mode. And you know, at first oh. glance, it doesn't seem like much. But if you know, if someone says, "Ah, oh, that's why I hate open mode," you immediately think, "Oh, escape has got to have something." Yeah, there's probably a hook shot in the dark chest. Mm -hmm. or something. It, yeah, and I think it also made sense just from you know me looking at it. I always would minimize IRC, but uh, I think right after, like right as this all was happening, I'd kept it up, and I just saw tons of scrolling through there people just kind of saying you know you know ggs or whatever and it's uh it's very disconcerting in a race of 110 people to suddenly see boom, you know tons of <laughs> yeah. chatter we're all done and you're not you know yeah <laughs> yeah i i've never kept it up i i i've got i don't have enough screen real estate for everything that i need when i play randomizer you know like i've, I've got to have a tracker that's fairly large so i can click on everything without any issue i've got um you know the discord up in case you know an admin needs to send me a message and i've got the game and that's about all i have room for you know so i i, I don't even make room for the irc chat and i never really understood why you would need to yeah it's uh i don't know i i like to minimize it as well because it just feels bad when you're you know just getting to ganon's tower and you're looking over real quick and suddenly you see your opponent dot done and you're like oh screw it damn it i right. thought i was doing well you know it's just it's just a bummer and that's a bummer i don't need when i'm playing rando rando gives me enough bummers as it is <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah i think the thought i had is you know it was a shame that it had to be you know ruled on and that later on some people did in fact get DQ'd because of it, but it's very fair, and you really don't want to have people saying like, "Ah, oh, you know, <clears throat> I'm gonna hit there and and put in some dot times or or things like that to try to you know psych out my opponent." And uh, you know, I don't think anybody who's you know doing a dot comment and saying things is trying to spoil things. Yeah, but it's it's unintentional. unintentional. Yeah, you know, and I think that's it's. It is very subjective, like Herf was saying. I think you can have very, you know, like Dr. Bob's comment. That's not intended to say, like, oh, man, I, you know, screwed up and did whatever. It's like, no, just click your tracker right. But you can't really tell that. Then this is maybe a nice transition to our next segment. Okay. So one thing I wanted to talk about in this episode is uh, how I kind of finally got into playing Randomizer. Because... I suspect there's probably a lot of people that listen to this podcast that more just kind of watch races, don't really play themselves. Because that, that was me for a long time, too. I liked 
watching the races. I like the idea of the logic and the commentary and all that, but I didn't really start playing until I was able to kind of come to terms with this, which is you don't always have to do every single seed in one sitting. And I know that sounds like madness probably to some people listening because their only exposure to this game is in the form of races and trying to go absolutely as fast as you can. But if you have sort of a busy schedule, like I feel like I do most of the time, it's okay if you want to start up a seed and then, you know, put it down and then come back the next day, you know, just save your browser that has the tracker up. Um, that's, I think, a healthier way to interact with the game when you have a limited amount of time, because sometimes I know I will feel that pressure, like I do have to finish an entire seed in one sitting, and it's like, okay, this is a two-hour investment, maybe more, depending on, you know, this could be a pet seed for all I know. Like, it, it can almost be kind of stressful to even work it into the schedule, but if you allow yourself to, you know, take a break, you know, a lot of times I'll play and I'll do a save and quit, and I'll just stop and think and be like, all right, where am I even going to go next? And I and I kind of don't worry about the timer for a second, and I'll just, you know, use my in-game time to kind of look at my execution and how good that was. So I just wanted to sort of, you know, mention that and say that it's it's okay to not race this and go absolutely as fast as you can every single time, because I think you're going to miss out on a lot of the enjoyment of this game. Yeah, I that's a good point, and I think that actually ties into another topic that we uh, we'd put on the list today, which is tilt. So, yeah. um... You know, if you are, to quickly define Tilt for those who don't know, uh, those of you who may have played pinball back in the day uh, may have noticed whenever you shake the machine too much, uh, it'll say Tilt, 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 and nothing will work, and then your ball falls down and it's very sad. Well, a number of competitive, you know, esports, physical sports, have um, have this uh, Tilt, you know, the idea of Tilt, which is you get so overwhelmed with, you know, with, whether it's oh man, you're beating yourself up because you made a bad mistake or you're just too unsure of what's going on and uh, you get what is called tilted and that is where your decision-making skills plummet and you start making calls and uh, uh, plays that you normally wouldn't and your execution just can go bad and it can really start to spiral. You can go from feeling pretty good to all of a sudden being playing like absolute garbage and you feel like garbage and you just... It's very hard sometimes to mentally recover from that. And for those players who have that happen a lot, if you're not playing in a real big race, what Timp is saying of just, you know, maybe just take a break and go off and do something else and come back to it is a great way to fight that tilt in a more casual setting. Yeah, because at the end of the day, this is supposed to be a hobby. Like, it's supposed to be fun. You know, if, if you're getting so tilted and, and just like, you know, getting to a point where it's not fun for you anymore then just just you know take some time walk away and come back yeah. there's people in our in our community um you know in the essay community that we talk about that will often say you know oh i'm, I'm just gonna take a, a break you know i think i'm gonna take a week away from rando i've been playing a lot of it and need to catch up on some real life stuff like i love that i think that's great because it shows balance and it helps you to not get to a point where you are stressing yourself out so much about this video game yeah i mean at the end of the day this is uh it's for fun. I don't think anybody is going to suddenly, you know, become a multimillionaire or, you know, radically alter their their life trajectory because of Rando. I mean, maybe. Maybe it will be laughing at this in two or three years. <laughs> Who knows? But, um, um, you know, I, you know, have fun. If you're not having fun, you know, 
maybe take a break, whether that is take a break from the seed you're playing, take a week off, and come back to it. I I did that after the, um, uh, you know, just a long period of I was playing about a seed a week, and I said, you know what, let's just take a couple weeks off. I came back, and suddenly my ta- my average time went from about right on the two-hour mark to right around the 150 mark. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so I definitely think breaks are an important part of the whole experience because as you guys were mentioning it's it's just going to burn you out eventually and then you'll lose all the fun yeah so in, in terms of overcoming tilt i can talk about some of the strategies i have if i'm at a setting where i can't just stop and come back later i don't know if you guys have some thoughts yeah, as well i'm i'm uh, eager to hear okay so you know i uh i tend to get tilted a lot and uh one unfortunately the best way to prevent or to stop tilt is to prevent from getting tilted in the first place. And sometimes that means you may play a little more conservatively than you would like. For example, uh, let's say you're going to fight Trinex and you've got, you know, no mat, no blue potion, no green potion, and you've got single magic, you know, just single magic bar. So you've got to really make sure you get all your hits in. If you're debating, oh man, should I go for this marginal shot or wait for a safer one? It's okay to wait for the safer one. Everybody is not going to be an execution master. And if you know that, oh man, if I miss this shot and have to redo TR, you know, that's not going to be very pleasant and you might get in your own head. So in those situations, just take a second and play a little more safely to avoid the real big downside risk there. So avoiding tilt, I think, is probably the most important thing into solving tilt. Now let's say... Same example, you're you're fighting Trinex and you miss that very last fire rod shot on the ice head and you're out of magic and so you've got to go back and redo it. Okay, what what now? Well, I, I think the key thing is to, as best as you can, try to push that out of your mind. Don't sit there and say, oh man, I just, I just lost three minutes. Oh, this is, I wonder what my opponent's doing. Just do not focus on that. Focus on, you know, finishing what you've got to do in this case, beating Trinex. And you can worry about that when you're later on the seed or when the credits are rolling and when you do your kind of post-analysis. Like, okay, you know, next time, maybe I should, you know, go get a safety potion for going up to Dark Death Mountain, things like that. Um, Now, if that doesn't work, like, let's say, different example here, let's say it's earlier in the seed and you're going to try to do the blind fight with only four, you know, three hearts in the hammer, that could be a tall order, and let's say you've you've died once and you got a little bit, you know, off kilter. Then you died a second time. Well, what should you do now? Well, if you're starting to feel like, you know, a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of frustration, even though it may not be optimally the best in terms of time, you may save yourself a lot of trouble by just saying, you know what, I'm going to come back to this later. And you yeah, see that absolutely. a lot of races. Um, you know, because if you keep on banging your head against the wall there, it all of a sudden something that is, you know, a two-minute time loss could turn into a ten-minute time loss. I'll, I'll give an example from a recent seed I played. Um, so I played a seed where uh, I had, you know, I had flute and I had hammer and hookshot. And I was like, okay, I can go do Death Mountain now and I can I can get up and do Hera. So that's, that's my play. And while I'm here, I'm going to try to do Old Man even though I don't have a sword to get through, you know, Dark Old Man Cave, it's it's a simple cave. I should be able to do this. Well, I went through once and just couldn't navigate well and ended up dying because I had only four hearts. And then I said, oh, okay, I'll, I'll try it again. I'll try it again. Be 
yeah, that you know, that was just me being stupid. I I know what to do now, and I died again. And then I went back a third time, and the third time I played it much more, you know, much more conservatively. But it ended up chewing up something like six or seven minutes when I went back and looked, and it ended up only giving me a big twenty. So, yeah. you know, in, in that case, probably what I should have done is instead of being stubborn and saying, "Oh, I gotta, I gotta really focus on getting this old man," I should have said, "You know what? To hell with it. If I need to come back with a lamp, I'll come back with a lamp or a sword." And uh, and realizing that, I think. You know, understanding the limits of your own play and knowing what you're good at and what you're not good at can really help in terms of the the psychology of this. Yeah, I completely agree with pretty much everything you just said. It's, uh, I mean, I think the most simple way to break it down is if you take it slow and safe, you're gonna lose some time, but not taking it slow and safe and dying or having to redo stuff is always going to cost you more than you taking it slow and safe. Another tip I would give just sort of in general, somewhat related to that would be, I think a lot of times when people do get tilted, it's because it starts to dawn on them just how much they have to do to quote, catch up unquote, you know, to uh, make up that time. Oh my God, I, I have four crystals to do before I can even, you know, go to, go to Ganon and, and they feel like they're behind. My advice there is to, rather than think of all of those things that you have to do, just take it one task at a time, one one objective at a time. What do I need to do right now? Okay, I need to clear Thieves Town. Okay, let me do that. All right, what do I need to do right now? I need to do South Dark World. Just just think of those things in the order. You know, you don't have to always know your next five or six moves. Just focus on what you're doing right now, especially the execution of what you're doing and just take it one step at a time, one one task after another, and eventually you'll have all those crystals. You'll go to Gan's Tower, and eventually you'll be Ganon. Yeah, and actually, that's a that's a great insight. I'll I'll talk a little bit about a race I did that that played off, you know, played really well. Is you know, I was playing, and I was not playing my best. I had made I think like a a stupid move during escape or something like that, and I was like a little in my head, I'm like, oh man, okay, I got to make up that time. And I said, you know, started doing some dark rooms. And I did not execute them all. And again, I was like, oh, man, I got to make up that time. Well, unbeknownst to me, my opponent was doing even worse at the dark rooms to the point that he ended up forfeiting the seed. And that's really the, the key I want to point I want to get from this is your opponent is probably also having problems. Now, maybe it's not yeah. the same areas you're having. So true. But if you sit there and you think about a perfect play against you, that's probably not what happened. If you're saying, oh, man, I... I I can't believe I died on blind. That's so stupid. It's scripted, blah, blah. Well, meanwhile, your opponent just died two times in a row on Mothula and doesn't have any magic. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you really don't know what's going on with the other player. And if you assume that they're playing the best they can, A, that's probably not true. And B, that may not help. Now, if, if that really helps you, then go ahead and think that. But I think for a lot of players, that is not going to be a helpful mental path to go down. So hopefully everybody just stays in a really nice, positive mind space when they're playing Randomizer, and we can all just continue to have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Especially <laughs> when they have to go to Aga 1. Oh. <sighs> now, right. okay, I don't feel tilted, but I do feel a little... Ugh. You, you know what's funny? Even in Z3R Sim that we were talking about uh, last last episode, even when I realized it's an Agassiz in Z3R Sim... I'm like, oh my 
God, seriously? Even though it's literally like three clicks to finish Agony. <laughs> I'm still like, come on. Yeah. So, well, I guess let's uh, let's face the music. So the plan for, for this episode, uh, by the way, you know, we put it up to our listener base to tell us whether or not we were going to go to Aghanim, talk about that this time, or if we would put that off and continue our dungeon, you know, more traditional dungeon delving and go to Pod or Palace of Darkness. Uh, we listened to you. We, we spoke in Discord. We uh, looked at the Twitter poll. And the winner of that was Aghanim. And I think that's awesome because there's a lot of really uh, sort of intricate ideas and things to discuss when it comes to Aghanim. But before we do that, I'm just going to break it way down. I know it took me until at least my probably second or maybe third time seeing an Agaseed to really understand why it was an Agaseed. So I'm just going to get super basic and then we'll we'll kind of build up from there. All right. So in vanilla, you need three pendants to collect the item that's on the pedestal, which in vanilla is the Master Sword. Uh, in the game, you use the Master Sword to destroy the barrier that lets you go into Castle Tower and work your way up to Aghanim. When you defeat Aghanim, uh, as part of the story, as part of the plot, he casts you to the Dark World, and that's how you get access to Dark World. Once you're in Dark World, again, this is all vanilla, eventually you collect a hammer, uh, which gives you a shortcut in several places around the world to uh, fast-track your way into the Dark World and, and just get straight to the portal. Uh, you also get Titan's Mitts eventually. There are shortcuts uh, that that opens up as well to get to the Dark World. Uh, but since this is randomizer, it puts you in a position where you could very much so collect the Hammer or the Titan's Mitts or both well before you ever uh, have to you know, make your way up to defeat Aghanim. You certainly won't uh, have to, you know, it won't be required for you to go get the Master Sword and, and use all three pendants. So all of that to say that you might not need to kill Aghanim if you find those items, but if you don't find those items in time in your Light World uh, checks, then it the seed is probably telling you that you actually do need to go kill Aga this time so that he'll cast you to the Dark World and you can continue checking locations in the Dark World. Does that make sense? Sounds good to me. Okay, great. So now we can get into the, the finer points of Aghanim. Yeah, um, so... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I just want to kick this off. So in while in 100% of vanilla Link to the Past runs, you have to kill Aghanim, how often do you guys think uh, you have to kill Aghanim as a required, you know, item, you know, thing of progression in Randomizer? I had always heard, uh, like, one in three chance, 33%. Herf, what do you, do you think 33, 50, 10 I mean, is entirely too many times an acceptable answer? <laughs> Ever at all, too much. <laughs> so, so Temp was right on the money, just about. It is actually 33.23% of seeds require Aghanim 1. Now, that is, uh, again, just over a third. And to talk you through when... You know, okay, we talked about why Aga 1 could be required in that you need it for Dark World access. Mm -hmm. But there is a second reason you might need to do Aga 1, and that is the Lumberjack item. 
Yeah. Um, you know, if I had some dramatic music here, I would play it around the lumberjack item. But <laughs> so this isn't you sing it. You didn't yeah. want to sing it this time? No, 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 <laughs> no singing. That's a, that's a commentator's rule. So I want to. Oh yeah. No singing right. in no my singing. my randomizer life. Yep. Singing is. You know what? I'm just gonna say singing's allowed on Go Mode. <laughs> <laughs> Only if you really feel it, though. Oh boy. Yeah. So the lumberjack item. So this is you got those two very friendly looking guys up near. Um, the Lost Woods, and they are cutting down a tree, and they're cutting away, and they actually will not finish cutting down that tree until Agawan is dead and gone. But to actually open up that tree, you also need the boots, because you'll dash into it, and then you'll go down into the cave. If that if there is an item in there that is required, then you need both Agawan to be gone and the boots to get in there. Yep. The uh, the tiny silver lining on that whole lumberjack item is required thing is that you can be sure that you'll be acquiring the boots at some point in the seed. That is true. Yeah, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. You know, you will be getting it, so that's great, but, like, you gotta find them. Yeah, of course, the worst item to find there is a sword, because it could be that that is your master sword, and there are two swords, you know, locked away in Ganon's tower, and... Uh, you don't really want to gamble on trying to go into Ganon's Tower with just the fighter sword. We had a, a weekly seed a couple weeks ago where there was a sword on Aga and a sword on Ped. Oh. It was, yeah, it was great. It was weird. Yeah, it was weird. So there uh, are two other Aga 1 scenarios I want to talk through very quickly. And these, the, the first, these are both... Well, the first one is a very, very marginal one. You don't really see this as often, but... Let's say that you can get into Dark World with Titan's Mitt, so you can come in through Kakariko. But you do everything in Kakariko, you don't get the flippers, you don't get the hammers, so East Dark World is still locked out. Um, unless you want to use the Water Walk glitch to get there. There is a chance that that is why you need to do Aga. That is, you have West Dark World access, but not East Dark World. It doesn't happen a lot, because you usually will find... Uh, you know, hammer at some point to get, or, or flippers to get you over there, but it does happen. Yeah, my very first seed had that condition that yeah. I ever played. Took, took me uh, yeah. almost a, a day's worth of hours. Yeah, it's, <laughs> Not uh, exactly, it, but it's one that doesn't here. really think, you know, doesn't stick out that well in your mind. It's, it's the same as kind of how, um, you know, you can, there's just, you know, people don't always think about the fact that you can enter desert through the back entrance in the dark world um, when they start playing randomizer. So it's just another one to be aware of. And the last scenario, and I'm not going to really go into this, but in Key Sanity, there are two chests in there. So those could have items that are required for progression. But we're not really going to talk Key Sanity here. Just wanted to point out that if you're playing Key Sanity, uh, think about Agatower a little differently than you do normally. Yeah, and you might not even have to beat Aghanim still in those scenarios, but you might have to go deep enough into the dungeon to get the two chests that are in there. Oh, also, I uh, should mention, there is a hint tile in there, um, which does make the play slightly more attractive, but it's still a hard sell to, to make that dip into Aga before you know you absolutely have to. Yeah. Yeah. So, Herf, do you want to walk us through the uh, the items that you need to go and enter uh, Aga Tower and, uh, and finish it off? Absolutely. So what we're going to need is 
some sort of sword. If you're still looking out for a sword, even if it's just a fighter sword, we were mentioning earlier that you will need the master sword to cut open the barrier uh, in front of the castle tower entrance, but even if you just have a fighter sword, that's going to be enough for the curtains at the back. Uh, once you enter the first room of, uh, I don't know, Aghanim's hideout, I want to call it, uh, he's going to zap a princess. Thankfully, all the text boxes are removed, but then to follow him up into his little cupboard, you uh, need to cut down the curtains, and to get in there, you do need, at the very least, a fighter sword. Then we're back at the barrier uh, at the entrance. What you need there is, as we said, either a master sword to cut it, or you can also walk past it with the magic cape. That's uh, I think that's another little thing that kind of trips up newer rando players who, who are not sure if they can or have to do aga. Uh, you you don't really ever get a chance to use the magic cape there if you're just familiar with the, the vanilla playthrough. Definitely. And... Um, Moon Pearl is another item that you want to have, but there is definitely a chance of the Moon Pearl being on Pyramid. Just uh, keep in mind that uh, the Moon Pearl being on the Pyramid is pretty much the only spot where it can be. If you don't spot it on the Pyramid, you forgot something that you can check in the Light World, most likely. Yeah, yeah you should You should have done all your Light World checks before you get to you get to the point where you do Aga 1 without a Moon Pearl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the only other chance you could have is you could have some crazy combination where, let's say you had flute and mirror and gloves, but no hammer, and then you go and you get the Titan's Mitt on the, uh, the Pyramid Ledge, and you've got Moon Pearl in Checkerboard Cave. I mean, that's about the only other possibility there. And guess what? If you got the Titan's Mitt, that is uh, enough to get you access to the Dark World and other spots, so... Uh, you'll kind of kick yourself a bit. I've never seen that chain happen, but it could happen. Mm-hmm. And then uh, last but not least, of course, you'll also most likely want a lamp. It's, as with all dark rooms, not strictly required. It's required by logic. If you're uh, brave enough to to uh, to scale the castle tower without a lamp, I applaud you. I personally wouldn't do it. But uh, this, yeah. is, this is hands down without a doubt no no one disputes this the hardest dark rooms that you have to do yeah they're they're filled with enemies they are very maze-like um some cliffs and some, some just like bare-faced cliffs to fall down if mm-hmm. you want to do that yeah there's and, and because aga one is only required in 33 percent of seeds it means that you could if you are thinking oh man i'm gonna go try to do aga tower without the lamp and you still had checks on the on the light world well, one of those light world checks could have been the hammer, could have been the gloves, could have been the titan's mitt, which means you didn't need to do agate at all, and you just lost a lot of time. So, I would say, maybe this is a little too, you know, absolute, but I would say there is almost no reason to learn, uh, or, or no reason to learn Aga 1 Dark. I was trying to think about times when it would even make sense to do that, and the best I could come up with is you've checked every single light world check, uh, and you are just having terrible luck with rubies, uh, with rupees. You've already done the Hulahan room, and uh, Lantern is on Zora. Like it, you know, you would save yourself a lot of time just doing Aga as you know without the lamp, as opposed to um, grinding for rupees for a long time. But that's like so rare. Like there's no way that would happen to you. And if it does, like speaking of overcoming tilt. Yeah, and it might even still be faster to just, you know, bite the bullet and farm the rupees instead of trying to 
fall down those holes in Agatar yeah. 200 times. That also assumes that you have perfect Aga darkroom knowledge, which again, you're prioritizing that so low on things to learn for randomizer. So Yeah, I mean, most likely if you're thinking you're going to do darkroom Aga, you're going to fall down on that. So the one, the area, this is where it, why it is really such a not good play there is one room and it's the room where you go through and there's a bunch of guards on narrow walkways that don't yeah. have any railings there's no way to navigate those really with without, without the lamp and you are most likely going to fall a whole bunch there it, yeah it's it's just really rough yeah it's it's a tall order to learn that so really gonna str- strongly recommend that you you grab that lamp before you come into agawan mm-hmm. um so, so the struggle with Aga is it's required in thirty three point two three percent of scenes. So it's it's always on the table. Um, but trying to figure out when to, you know, as Herf said, bite the bullet and say, okay, you know, I, I need to, um, I need to go to Aganim because that's the only way to find progression here. It, it's it can be hard to make that call as 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 to when to do that. So let's talk about item wise some things that might point you towards Aga or maybe convince you that you should keep looking around and and you maybe don't have to do Aga yet. Yeah. So so just to start this out, you know the, the thing with the Aga call is obviously if you've checked every single Light World location and don't have these items that, that you know you don't you don't have um, the gloves or the hammer or the Titan's mitt then obviously you have to go do Aga. The real key, and this is what could separate you from, you know, the, the rest of the pack, is knowing when, even though I've got maybe four or five checks left, that it's Aga and I'm going to go do it. So there are, you know, three things that are really going to be the, the key indicators early on in terms of that you don't have them. If you don't have gloves, you don't have hammer, and you don't have moon pearl. Now, obviously the, you know, you don't have any of those when you start, so you shouldn't say right from Link's house, oh, well, this is an Agassiz. <laughs> uh, it's a little too fast. Talk about pessimism. Um, but let's say you're going through and you've done your, you know, your kind of first first check. So you've done Kakariko, you've done South Shore, and you've even gone over and dipped into Eastern Palace and hung out at uh, Sarhashla's closet. And you have no hammer, no moon pearl, and no gloves. This is the point where you need to really start thinking. So maybe, let's say you've got the flute, and that opens up a little bit of Death Mountain. Maybe you haven't gone and checked, you know, Gina's Cave. There might be some checks like that that are still out there, but this is when you should really start having this gears turn. You finished all those high-density checks, right? In Kakariko, you mentioned South Shore. Um, even, you know, the Eastern play to a certain extent, that could be up to six items. Once those three, I think, and, and maybe you can make a case for like the Zora area, if you happen to find Moon Pearl early or Flippers, mm-hmm. um, you know, once those are done, you, you have a bunch of, uh, disparate checks everywhere. You know, Agina is not that fun. If you do end up going to Mountain, you probably only have two, um, that you can check right there. Uh, you know, unless you have mirror or hookshot or whatever. So get you're exactly right. Once you get to that point where you have a bunch of isolated checks, that's when you start, you need to kind of build a cutoff for yourself and say, okay, I'll check this one and I might check this one. But at that point, if I have everything to do Aga 1, especially if I have that lamp, then like I'm, that's, that's just what I'm going to do now. Yeah, I mean, and Herf and, and Tim, I want to get your guys' thoughts on this, but let's talk about the items that you can get early that should be 
making the Aga One sign flash in your head. I think the biggest one is early lamp, and we're talking, you know, real early. Like there's, it's not, you know, on, uh, you know, it's not in desert or you know up on Tower of Hair or anything. I mean, we're talking very first checks you can do right from the get go. Yeah, absolutely, early lamp. Um, I mean. Magic Cape, you know, as we were kind of joking about at the beginning of the episode, but Magic Cape can definitely be one of the, it, it's a tick in the Aga column, for sure. You know, it's it's going to make you start thinking, it's going to get your gears turning about like, okay, you know, if I get a fighter sword or, you know, a master sword on top of this, and obviously if land comes up, like it's pretty much inevitable at that point if I don't have gloves or hammer. For me, the Magic Cape is probably... The biggest warning sign, I want to say, just, you know, from a personal feeling, it's required for so little. And most of the stuff it's required for is in the Dark World, like Spike Cave, you know, the Spike Chests and Ice or uh, uh, Misery Mire, all that stuff, a Bumper Cave. So if you find a cape really early on in Kakariko or something, it's, it's to me, it's like, mm, okay, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the really thing you got to think is, why was this item seated here? Now, it could have just been that the, you know, garbage filler said, all right, you don't need cape, I'm going to throw it wherever up, I'm going to throw it in the, you know, bug kids, you know, bug net kids house. But it's more likely than not that if it's seated that early, it's there for a reason. Yeah. Um, there's one that I heard you mentioned in Discord, actually. Uh, you you said that a lot of times when you find the hookshot early, that, yeah, that kind so of I, says I, it's kind of like an Agassiz to you. So the, when we're talking early, I'm not talking that you've you know done, you know, you got the bow and you got the, the lamp and you did um, the Armos Knights or you found it up on top of uh, Tower of Hair or anything like that. I'm talking like, you know, very first checks. So here's, I'm going to walk you through my thought process on this. You guys can tell me if this seems to make sense. And, you know, our listeners can tell me if this makes sense, too. If you think I'm uh, I'm barking up the wrong tree, uh, let us know and uh, let us know. Uh, explain why. But here's my logic. So to access the West Dark World there, you either need the hookshot or the hammer and gloves or the Titan's mitts. Those are the only ways that you can get to West Dark World. If you get hammer early, that really doesn't tell you anything. That could be that you need it to clear pod, could be you need it to go to West Dark World, could be you need it to just access the Dark World, period. Doesn't really tell you anything. And Titan's Mitts, obviously, if you have the Titan's Mitts, then you don't need to do Aga 1 at all. But if you get that hook shot, the only other thing that's going to open up early on is East Death Mountain. Now, could be East Death Mountain has something, but let's say you've done that and you've you know, cleared East Death Mountain. Well, and you didn't get anything. The only, here are the other things that Hookshot can open up. Could be that you needed it for Swamp, but then of course the question is why do you have it now and not closer to Swamp? Could be that you needed it for Hookshot Cave, but same thing. Why do you need it now before you fought Aga 1? Uh, and you of course need it <clears throat> to get past the Moldorm 2 room. Again, why do you have it now 15, 20 minutes into the seed and not an hour in? The only other thing it could be is it could be that you need it to hook shot across the little gap uh, and get into West Dark World. That does open up a lot of items. Having hook shot in that situation, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, everything in uh, Village of Outcasts, a lot of that South Dark World hype cave, you know, which gets 
you know, people people make fun of it because it's not that hype, but it's it's five items. It could definitely have something. It, it does a lot of the time. So yeah. Now I guess the only real caveat here is that um, obviously you you need the hook shot to get across that gap, but you also either need the gloves, hammer, or flippers to go around. So while the hook shot is an indicator, it could be that that's you know it, it it's it's sort of a kind of a you know yellow light. If I get the hook shot and the flippers, though, that is like a very, very big aggo one is going to be required blaring siren in the back of my head. And I've noticed a couple times on the seeds that I have had that are aggo one, I do see that hook shot come out or I see that, that cape or whatever. And I think mm, maybe this is aga and it ends up being aga and I just wait on doing aga a little too late. Um so some, it's more of an art than a science because if you follow this heuristic, eventually there is going to be a case where you say, all right, I'm going to go, I'm going to do it. Forget Agena, forget, you know, going and clearing, mm-hmm. you know, a, a green pendant in desert or something like that. And oops, ended up not being it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's rando, right? There's always going to be cases where it doesn't do what you think it yeah, was going to do. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's why it's always, you know, cost, cost benefit analysis and weighing your options. Um, let's talk for a moment. You know, I, as I mentioned, I don't necessarily want to do a full walkthrough of Castle Tower itself, but um, and, and we'll come back to more kind of decision making in a second. But let's talk a little bit about the actual ascent. Like I mentioned before, there's there's no items. There are two chests, but both chests contain keys to open the room that they're in uh, to open the next room. So those are not ever going to have any items that are going to be worth anything to you. Um, but in general, I just wanted to say, I mean, this is just straight up NMG speed strats. You're just trying to go as fast as you can. Obviously your item loadout is going to change that, especially when it comes to rooms where you have to defeat all the enemies before you can move on. But in general, if a door is open and you don't have to kill enemies, just beeline it, just go straight to that door. Obviously, if you have the boots, you should be dashing around everywhere where you feel like you can, but um what other there are some rooms that, that can be kind of tricky do you guys have any specific kind of tips and tricks you want to throw out there for castle tower uh i mean the the most prominent one is probably right in the first room after you get in there uh you will be you will be met with two gold ball and chain guards that are kind of stuck behind some railings and I think a, a tactic that most people might have already seen on a on a stream somewhere is uh, just holding out your sword, charging up a spin, and kind of clanking against the door at the bottom, luring them down. Uh, they'll get stuck behind a railing, but far enough away from you that they won't start swinging their balls around. So uh, you charge up your sword, you wait until they're all the way in the middle, they kind of overlap. And then when you walk back and hit them with a spin, they get hit uh, against the back railing, and you get to you know double hit them with a fighter sword you'll have to do it i think two or three times maybe with a master sword it's not going to take very long at all mm-hmm. um also the fire rod is really useful um really really effective against these guys so if you have a fire rod uh, make sure you got a lot of magic when you go in and, and you can dispatch a lot of these higher level guard enemies with one uh, fire rod shot mm-hmm um, I mean, I, <laughs> I feel bad that we're not really getting in depth here, but I do feel like, you know, since there, there's really no decision making to be made, you just have to go as fast as you can. If, if you really want to get better at this, I think 
you know, obviously practice, which is going to be true for, for any execution based sort of things we talk about, but also watching people, you know, and, and picking up on the little kind of, uh, you know, time savers that, that they'll employ is really going to be your best bet. Um, you know, maybe if there's enough demand for it, we'll come back and, and really do that for this episode. But, um, yeah, so, so let's, I guess let's, uh, talk a little bit more about, um, Oh, you know what? Let's let's talk about the boss. It's, it's the whole reason we're here, right? The the dark mage himself, Aghanim. Let's let's talk about Aghanim strats, and this will not take long because it's uh, pretty simple. Yeah, it's it's basically a fight on rails. So the way Aga works is, the very first time he shows up, he's gonna tell you go around the room, and he's gonna shoot a uh, like an energy blast at you, and that is always gonna be an energy blast. It's a yellow ball. From there on, he's going to do four more shots. There is a 50% chance that it is a yellow ball, and there's a 50% chance it is the very bad, uh, what we call blue ball. And that is, he shoots out this kind of circle of little blue balls that when you hit, explode, and you can't hurt him with that. And on the fifth time through, he's going to shoot lightning at you, and you can tell that because he'll go to the center of the room and he won't face towards you, he'll just face down. And that's when you can, you know, just kind of stand off to the side, avoid the lightning, and he'll, he'll just keep doing... grab the wall doing... and pull on it and look yeah. like you're crying because you're sad at what the seed has made you do so far. Yeah, and that'll pretty much take you through Aghanim because then he'll repeat the same cycle over and over until he's finally dead. Uh, the nice thing in Rando is that the blue balls are going to be consistent across the seed. So if you and a friend are both playing and both fighting Aga 1 and you see it's yellow ball, yellow ball, blue, blue lightning yellow blue 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 you will both have that same pattern right um, so you don't have to sit yes you don't have to sit there and say oh you know my my opponent is probably getting the best aga one luck and they're they're getting all yellow balls and i'm here getting you know eight million blue balls thrown at me um, one of my one of the first times i heard anyone talk about randomizer was sort of uh you know offhand in the speed running thread we've talked about before uh, and there was a debate as to whether these uh, patterns should be consistent for each seed or if they should still be randomized. And it is just crazy to think that that was even a discussion at any point. Yeah, I think the way it is right now is just, you know, fair to both racers. I can see where uh, where the quote-unquote classical speedrunners are coming from because, you know, that's what makes a difference in an NMG speedrun. If you get bad blue balls luck on Aga 1, your, you know, your run is going to be worse than someone who gets the perfect luck. But, uh, I don't know. I think it's if you have the chance to make it fair like this, give everyone the same RNG, I think that's all right. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think that I was on the fence about that. Um, you know, a year and a half ago, and now knowing what I know about randomizer and racing and all that, it's just like, why, why would you do that to one person to make it not is not fair for them? But anyway, I guess it's, that's neither here nor there. Uh, so just make sure you stand nice and close to Aga um, and slightly off to the side, so that you know you're close, so that if it's a um, you know energy ball, that you can bounce it right back immediately. You know, obviously, the further that flies away and then flies back, the longer that takes. So the closer you are, the closer you can reflect you know reflect that. And stand a little bit to the side so that if it is one of those exploding blue balls that um, it basically goes in like a, a hexagon kind of pattern, I, I guess you could say. So if you're off to the side a little bit, then you won't get hit by the, um, the splashback there. So um, 
So do we have any other thoughts, anything that we want to talk about in terms of when to make the Aga play? I, I think we, we covered it pretty well, but any any final thoughts, guys? I think we covered pretty much everything that comes to mind immediately, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, what I, well, so here, here's what I'll think. So a couple important things to remember. First is that the Zora checks could be out of logic if you don't have flippers and you don't have a glove, those checks aren't in logic. So if you're thinking, oh, you know, should I make the Aga play or not? Uh, I can check everything up in Zora. Now, maybe you want to check those because you could sequence break your way out of Aga 1. You know, it could be that that's where you've got a Titan's mid or a hammer or something. But mm-hmm. if you're thinking that you need to go check that to see if it's Aga 1, or you'd still need the lamp, or you still need the sword or the cape, because it, it really looks like it's Aga 1, those aren't going to be at Zora if you don't have those prerequisite items. Um, second is, it's actually going to probably be faster to do Aga 1 than do a v- bunch of one-off checks. Like, let's say you've got the yeah. the green pendant. It's going to be faster to do Aga 1 than check Agina, Sirhashala's pendant turn-in, and the old man mm-hmm. uh, than it is to just bite the bullet and go do Aga 1. So if you only got have a bunch of spread-out one-off checks... Um, even if it might not be Aga 1 required, it could still be faster to do Aga 1 than do those checks. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that. That's a really good point that I, I wanted to make sure that we mentioned. Aga, obviously the, the amount of time that it takes is going to vary a lot on the equipment that you have, how many blue balls you get on Aghanim, your, you know, how strong your execution is. But typically it's going to be somewhere in the area of like six-ish minutes, you know, six to eight minutes, something like that. So if you just look at Aga as like, you know, when you see that on your map, you instead see like a big six or like eight, like that's the time investment that you're making to get to the dark world. If you feel like you can spend less time than that going to check the others, that's great. Just know that you might have to add that six to that time, or you could just go take care of that, you know, take care of that six minutes and maybe get to completely ignore those other checks that are far away. Um, perhaps for the whole seed, if not just for later, maybe when you have flute or boots or something that's going to make it easier to check those, those uh, you know, separated checks. That's the other thing, too, is if, if it's early game and you have to go to all these separated places, you probably don't have as much of a means of getting around. So saving a lot of those for near to the end when you're kind of looking for that final go mode item is going to save you a lot of time because you can check a lot faster. Yeah, I just want to give a, another thought here too. So I once had a seed where, so here's what I had my equipment. I had, I think the hookshot, the fighter sword, and the cape, or, or the lamp, the fighter sword, and the cape. So I had everything I needed to do Aga 1, but I was just the, I, all I, and I had the gloves. All I needed was the hammer. And I had checks at, I think I had mushroom turn in. Uh, I think I had the old man left to do, and I had the Agina left to do. And, and I think also Zora. And I thought to myself, I said, okay, let's think about this. I've got basic, or I've got three checks I, I, that I can do. I think actually I didn't have Zora. I think I just had a Gina, Old Man, and a, uh, a Mushroom Turnip. I have three checks I can do. I, it has to be the hammer to not be Aga 1. There are, you know, it's a one in three chance it could be at any of those locations. But it also could be at all these other ones. It's not really a one in three chance. It's a lot less than that. And so I elected to go do Aga 1. And what do you know? The hammer was on the uh, pyramid. I also want to mention two things really quick. The first one being 
uh, if you decide to do Agawan and it turns out you didn't need to do him, you know, you skipped a Agena cave check and Agena had your Moon Pearl or your Glove, whatever it was that you were missing for Dark World Axis. Yeah, it did cost you some time, but you also gained another pretty convenient Dark World warp. Especially for things like getting the bomb to the pyramid very quickly, stuff like that. So, you know, it's not just wasted time and, oh my god, I just spent six minutes climbing that tower and doing that fight for nothing. You also gain at least a little bit something. The, you know, the other side of that coin, though, is, uh, we didn't mention this before, but when you kill Aghanim, in addition to changing the lumberjack tree, you know, cave area, there are some other changes to the world as well. And one of them is there's going to be more enemies around Light World, uh, and they're, and they're going to be more difficult. Uh, even in Kakariko now, there'll be some enemies. I mean, it's not a huge deal, but, um, you know, if you're somebody who just kind of dashes around and takes damage from enemies without really thinking about it, that, that could be a big deal and it could, it could, you know, be a little bit more, um, there's something you're going to have to deal with, but that is true. It gives you that portal, which can be really helpful, especially for some of those far away Dark World checks that are open right away, like, you know, Catfish and obviously Pyramid and stuff. And uh, that also the stuff with the enemies and the changes that you were just mentioning kind of ties in into the second thing that I wanted to mention. I'm sure this has gotten everyone who has ever played Rando at least once. But once you've defeated Aghanim and you have the Moon Pearl in your possession, when you save and quit in the Dark World, you don't get a nice little menu that lets you select where you spawn. You spawn on the Pyramid in the Dark World. That's right. So... Keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, please yep. keep that in mind. That gets me all the time. I always forget that. It's awful. So, yeah, so what Herb's talking about, yeah, when you when you do kill Aghanim, if you save and quit in Dark World, it'll take you back to the top of the pyramid. So a lot of times, you know, if you want to flute somewhere or if you want to save and quit, say go to like Mountain or whatever, you need to mirror and then save and quit so that you can choose it. And if you don't do that, then you basically just added another saving quit to your time which is yeah. like 15 seconds or so just uh, one real quick thing though it won't do that though if you don't have the mirror because if you don't have the mirror you are trapped in the dark world that's right that that definitely gets a lot of your players that's a good catch yeah so if you mm-hmm. do kill aga and you don't have the mirror you can be very clever and get back to the light world very quickly by saving quitting but if you have the mirror that won't work well i'm, I'm glad we circled back to because those are all really important points that were, were worth mentioning Anything else? Just hope uh, that you uh, you don't get all those blue balls and you get you know six yellow balls in a row. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do it. All right, so let's move on to our uh, wrap up. We do have one listener question. I'll go ahead and uh, read that. Hey guys, love the podcast. A couple episodes ago, when you had your VTorp interview, he had mentioned the Skullwoods small key, and then everybody laughed. And I was just wondering what he meant by that. And that question is from Timp. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a listener question. Hey. Hey, I to but I feel so embarrassed because I, I sat there and laughed. He said it twice, and both times I laughed. And then as I was editing, I was like, I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> so can what do you guys tell me what, what he was referring to there? Do you, you guys remember ahead, what I'm actually? talking about? Skullwood. Uh, oh, I, I remember. Skullwood small key, something like that. Yeah, Herf, do you want to take this? Or you want me to? Uh, you go right ahead. I have to be honest. I don't quite remember the context of so, the small key question. Okay. okay, so basically, in Skullwoods, um, as you know, there's a 
well, we are we haven't covered it yet, but spoiler alert for a future episode and we cover it, we will talk about how there's different holes you can fall down into. And if you fall into one of the holes, you can get in a situation where you need a small key to get yourself out because you you know, if you fall down through a hole, you can't oh. exit that way. And right now in the logic, it is required that there is a small key somewhere, and if you don't get it from the first two chests, it will always, always, and always be in this third chest, and that's because you can actually fall into that room. Now, people don't typically go into the uh, dungeon this way, but you can fall into just that room, and you are locked in if you don't have a key. So right now, the logic always has a key there, so you don't end up stuck in that room. I is believe that the room with the... The it's, Gibdos? Yeah, it's the room with all the Gibdos, and the, the Wallmaster falls from the ceiling to, the to move you back. Um, and there's spikes yeah. everywhere. Yeah, the pinball but, room, right? But I believe the context on this is Vitorp was talking about how there was a change at some point where that key was not required to be there. And they very quickly realized, oh crap, uh, if that happens, someone is stuck in here and the only way to get out is to save and quit. Uh, it seemed like he wanted that to be the case, though, didn't it? Yeah. So I th- the reason I laughed was because I could absolutely see myself being like, oh, I'm going to be real smart and go do a Skull Wits <laughs> check and check the first chest and I get, you know, 20 bucks. I check the second chest and maybe I get the, the big key. And then I check the third chest and get another 20 bucks and I go, oh, cool. And I have to save and quit and I lose all that time. You know, it's sort of akin to flooding the small key in Swamp Palace, which we'll also cover in a future episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit. Huh. Okay, well, thanks for clearing that up for me, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, if you have a question for us, you can always, uh, there's a lot of ways you can send it to us. You can reach out to us on Twitter, at GoModePodcast. You can email it to us, email at gomodepodcast.com. Or you can join our Discord, and we'll put a link to that in the description of this episode. And we have a uh, question channel in there. Um, You can also use that for suggestions and corrections. I'm really surprised not one person has reached out to give us a correction, because I know for sure we have misspoke on a few small, nothing big, but just tiny little small things. And I'm waiting for somebody to catch them and call us out, but... I don't know, maybe people are just too nice, but I want the show uh, to be accurate. Jensen, no I'm sure. Oh boy, they're all going to jump on us and Please. say, well, hey. I, you know, actually it's 33.237% <laughs> uh, that's AGA required. Please do. I, I just love to hear from, I love to hear from our listeners, uh, no, matter, no matter what it's about. So Yeah, if we're uh, wrong, correct us, because otherwise we will keep saying wrong stuff, and that's bad, because then people bad. will learn the wrong things. We want to educate and inform and... Yeah, all that. So uh, reach out to us. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, it's really helpful if you leave us an iTunes review. And to those of you who have already done that, thank you so much. Um, be sure to, you know, shout us out to your friends. Um, you know, we we uh, always appreciate the uh, advertising. Um, so, Axe, how can people find you? Yep. So I am at SA underscore Axial on Twitter. Uh, you can also join our wonderful, wonderful Wait, Discord. on Twitter or Twitch? Oh. No, on Twitch, not okay. not Twitter. I don't have a Twitter. <laughs> um, Maybe you should. Um, yeah, otherwise you can join our wonderful Discord and get to chat with uh, Tim, Perf, and myself. Uh, you can get all the you know behind-the-scenes questions asked that you wanted to have asked and you know see how that uh, that all works. Yeah, and shout-outs to our Discord. We, we've been having some really, really good, uh, insightful kind of conversations in there. So yep. and Thank you, everyone. It's been fun. Yeah, thanks everyone for voting on uh, whether we would cover Pod or Aga 1. Mm-hmm. All right, what about you, Herf? 
Well, you can find me, of course, also on the Discord for our podcast and uh, Twitch TV, Herfy Durfy. I've been streaming some seats here and there, kind of getting back into the groove. Awesome. And you can find me on uh, Twitch as well, twitch.tv slash temp underscore. Uh, and then, you know, uh, Twitter, Go Mode Podcast, uh, the Discord again, you know, we'd, we'd love to see you in there. So uh, finally, before we go, I want to give one more shout out to a couple of our listeners mm-hmm. uh, from Unikitty's fifth grade class. Huge shout outs to Andre and Luis. Um, they have sent us a picture and they're holding up some, they almost kind of look like maybe clay models or something of some of their favorite items. Um, looks like Andre has some flippers that he's made and Luis has, I think that's the tempered sword. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Yeah, looking good guys. So thanks for listening. Um, we, we appreciate you. Yeah. And <laughs> Axe, do you want to say what you had uh, said to us in the discord? Uh, I don't remember what I said in the Discord. <laughs> it was something to the effect of, uh, it's time to learn uh, Master Sword strats on Ganon. Oh. So you don't, so you don't need that anymore. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so keep, keep at it, kids. Keep, keep practicing those Master Sword strats and, and fake flippers, too. Yeah, big shout-outs, though, and big thank you. That was awesome to see. Always, Yeah, they're nice. really good uh, models, too. They look very, very much like the items in the game. So very good art skills, guys. Yeah, yeah. super well done. Well, guys, uh, I wish you all the best luck in the rest of your Fall of Fires TM, should you need to play them. I hope uh, everyone who has made it to the group stages or who is slated to make it into the group stages has a lot of fun. Uh, I hope you guys learned a little bit about Aga's Tower and how to defeat him today. And uh, I hope you guys will be doing well. See you next time. All right, nice. Now, uh, toss me that mirror, would you?